Hello, everybody. Welcome to Highfalutin Ski Bum Podcast, episode number 77. Hey, guys. How's everything going? It is your pals, Mario and Brian. Mario, what's going on? Uh, we're, we're doing good. We're getting ready for some big pow coming up. Yeah, we're getting massive powder of possibly up to a foot in the northeastern area compared to the tens of feet that are falling everywhere on the western part of the U.S. and Canada. But it's, it's a little obscene when people report it. It's like, okay, guys, you win. I, I don't have to hear it again, but... It's, it's absolutely glorious. The fact for that every, we're going out there, it's going to be nice. For everyone out there enjoying it, you know, please enjoy away. We are very jealous, but we will be joining you soon. And thank you, everybody, for listening. We really do appreciate it. Uh, check it out. More information, skibonepodcast.com. It keeps getting updated. We keep uh, evolving the design as well. We've we're, got... We're evolutionary podcasts. That's yes, we're all about evolving, changing, upgrading, moving. And uh, check us out also on all of our social media links, twitter.com slash podcast, facebook.com slash podcast, instagram.com slash podcast, Pinterest, we're the highfalutins, and maybe I'll put stuff on SoundCloud, uh, soundcloud.com slash podcast. I think we had everything feeding out there, too. Um, because of the level of plan that we have, we're only allowed, I think, six hours of content, so it's so only like maybe... Three or four podcasts are out there. Have to delete old ones. Some deleting old ones, putting and new ones out there. Yeah. Wow. So we're making it work, man. These are the pains that you go through that I don't see. You don't see all the back end technical nonsense Damn. I got to deal with. The we're end. grassroots, baby. We're grassroots. That's we're, the uh, ass end of the podcast that I don't look at. It's my favorite part. <laughs> it works for me, so I make it happen. And uh, thank you everyone for going on there and uh, and rating us. We've been getting a lot more reviews and ratings lately. And one of our friends gave us four stars and mentioned that we do have some production issues sometimes. And you know what? Thank you for pointing that out because we definitely do. And those are completely my fault because I am the board operator Whoa. here. They're not always your fault. Um, they're 98% my fault because I'm the board operator. I got the magic computer. I got the, the what's it called? The uh, soundboard the is mixer. plugged in. And there was an episode, there was two episodes ago... I forgot to, I have a new version of my software that I use, and I didn't have the USB as the input device. I had the microphone on the computer on the laptop. So it, it picked up everything, and Mario wasn't that clear, and the music wasn't coming through. So you know what? Thank you for calling me out, calling us out on that, because we need that. We need that honest feedback, and we do appreciate it. Well, occasionally I forget to like play the right song sometimes, or you I know don't what? Miscues. When you hear happens. when people make these comments, it checks us. You know, it makes us kind of step our game up. Check yourself before you wreck yourself. So mm-hmm. it causes us to check ourselves and improve our our product. So appreciate that. And if everyone else, please go and uh, review us if you can on iTunes, Stitcher, Overcast, whatever you use as your favorite podcasting uh, app. I did just post on skibumpodcast.com a blog post about how you can review it on iTunes that and on Stitcher. Awesome. Yeah. yeah, it's a nice little write-up. It's got some screenshots. It should make it a lot easier. I'll put it in the show Not notes as well. Not to mention the new website looks pretty fucking awesome. It's looking pretty dope. i got to be honest. I'm still working on a few other things. I changed some styles. I, uh, I cleaned it up, made it a little more simple, elegant, and uh, I'm really digging the way it's looking. Anybody wants to get schooled on how to design and run a website, you can actually reach out to Brian. Boom, podcast at gmail.com if you'd like. Because he knows what he's doing. He knows what he's doing. I'm a professional here. So, yeah, so check that out. And uh, like I said, we have the information on how to add a review. Stitcher is a little bit of a pain. You can't do it on the app. You can't do it on the mobile version of the site. You have to go to a, the desktop version of the site, go to our page, and 
do a review there. So it's actually pretty easy. I looked at it before. It's super easy. It's not as easy as it should be. Yeah. So if Stitcher wants to hire a uh, senior UX director, Podcast at gmail.com, I am available and looking. So 100% remote? 100% remote. Or if you have an office perhaps in you know, the uh, Park City, Sandy area, Boulder, Denver, somewhere around Anywhere there. in Colorado? Anywhere in Colorado, <laughs> perhaps. Uh, Telluride? Telluride, yes. Ooh, Telluride would be so nice. They That'd got two nice. feet of snow yesterday. But we'll get into that in a little while. But first, as we do... Oh, yeah. Ah, uh, yes, the glorious, it's the world-renowned. I pray today. I pray. So, Mario, what are you partaking in today? So, what I pray today, after a nice long day, is um nice little Basil Hayden bourbon whiskey. I'm loving my Kentucky single malt. I dig it. Um, but I tell you, this is uh, Basil Hayden. If anybody's... So, I've had this conversation with a few people in the last two weeks. Um, people that were like interested in getting into bourbons but didn't know much about them now i've tasted a lot of whiskeys and i'm like not a whiskey i don't like the peat smoke flavor thing you're talking scotch now scotch what i don't uh scotch whiskeys not a big fan hmm. bourbons this is bourbon whiskey it's american kind of the whole i won't even get into the whole what makes the difference between real whiskey and american whiskey and a bourbon like this can i you can, you can do it. Well, bourbon is made in America, not necessarily just Bourbon County, Kentucky. It can be made anywhere in America. It has to contain at least 51% corn mash and has to be aged in unused uh, oak barrels but and be, cannot go through any sort of filtration afterwards. But to have bourbon has to have Bourbon County in it? No, it can be made anywhere in America. That's why you have, um, you know, like baby bourbon made, uh, it's like, Hudson Whiskey Company. You have uh, Widow Jane, which I think is made somewhere in New York. You got Breckenridge Bourbon, which is made in Colorado. You got them; they're made all over the U.S. Widow Jane, I gotta get my hands on some of that. I just had it for the first time last week, and it is good. It is yummy bourbon, and that is also why Jack Daniels is not a bourbon; it's an American whiskey because it goes through a charcoal filtration process after it comes out of the barrel. Right, so it's an American whiskey change it which i love how they have their it's almost like a certification like a, a regulation of it which mm-hmm. is good you know now you gotta have standards yeah you know wines go through the same thing um cognacs go through th- like bourbon is is the same kind of thing yeah um but yeah so basil hayden i love <clears throat> actually this man sitting across the desk for me brian me got me started on bourbon with basil hayden yeah that was back in our uh, our mount snowhouse days we used mount to put snowhouse. down we used to put down at least a bottle a weekend of whatever bourbon we were drinking in well, addition to whatever we drank on the mountain. So I made the migration from Basil Hayden to Bullet to Blanton's to everything under the sun. As long as it's a B. And something Woody, Woodford Reserve, Wood, Woody, you know, it's yeah. Like, it's like the Glens with scotches. You got to stick with the Bs for bourbons. Exactly. Exactly. Any B. Basil, Booker's, Blanton's. Booker, Booker's hot. Oof. Booker's is hot, but it's good. Good. It's Very smooth. good. That's actually Andrew's favorite bourbon. She likes it neat. Really? She likes Booker's neat. Wow. She's crazy. I remember the one time we saw it, like, I don't know if it was on sale or we thought it was on sale or we just felt like buying it. <laughs> we tore down that bottle. <laughs> God damn. It's tasty stuff. It's one of those things where you just sip it and then you keep sipping and you're like, yeah, I'm sipping a lot. <laughs> yep. 
but it's good. Um, that's, that's why you should always have the bottle far enough away from you where you have to get up to get it because getting up checks arm yourself. Distance. See, arm distance. No, see, that's Boom. How you, that's when you get in trouble. Boom, this arm distance. I like the whole packaging of it, too. I like Basil Hayden's. Uh, and I tell you what, it's It looks smooth. like someone put duct tape around the top. It does, right? They pro- This is probably... Um, is this bootleg? Did you get bootleg. bootleg Basil Hayden? I think I got bootleg. Damn Basil it. Hayden. There's no hologram. Damn it. Damn it. There's a lot of... There's a lot of little things on here. There's like a belt on it. It's got it's a belt, belt buckle. It's got a belt buckle. It's got a signature of some fella on here. It's got like a, a shirt. Like It's more like a poncho. Almost like one of those pre-shirts where they do the little thing and then they put the belt around. Yeah. Like, I don't think they call those It things, is a bit priestly. It's very priestly. I felt very uh, close to God when I drank it. Just saying. <sighs> Nectar of the gods. Love that thing. Yeah. So Basil Hayden got me started. So I was talking to our new compadre that brought out the beer, Kristen, ah, yes. at the ski house, and we were talking about it, and I said, this is the one you should start with. And of course, we didn't have that, so <laughs> I bought that to bring up to the ski house, and now I'm drinking it. So, mm. just saying, I gotta buy some more to bring up. Lots of the good thing about Basil Hayden is they made a few extra a few extra bottles that you can pick up along the way. That's the thing with bourbon. Bourbon, you share. You don't, you don't covet, you share. You gotta share. That's what it's all about. So what do you got, buddy? So I am also drinking a bourbon, but I am drinking a uh, Breckenridge bourbon mm. out of beautiful Colorado. Delicious. And uh, ooh, and I'm spilling it all over myself as I'm stirring it, like a, <laughs> trying to swig it around like a gentleman here. <laughs> now, one thing I will tell you is that if you really want to do a nice job of clearing your palate before having a good spirit, have a cup of coffee. No mm. sugar, maybe a little bit of cream, but pretty dark coffee black it up man yeah it just clears out your palate and you drink these bourbons and or scotches or whatever your uh, whiskey choices and you really do get all the flavor now i'm totally stealing what the tasting notes here but it's light bodied warm textured long sweet oak vanilla finish touch of bitterness to balance reminiscent of a slice of toasted rye bread with honey toasted rye bread on it I don't know who came up with that and who tasted that, but... I'm going to go out, buy rye bread, toast it, and put honey on it tomorrow just to see if it's... Or just dip it in the bourbon. I, I, I want to check these notes. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, it's smooth. It is light. It's, uh, I had a couple cubes in here, so it, it melted off, but it's very nice. Very so, easy to drink. So I read an article on the whole idea of cubes versus water because like some, some people would, be, would order like a scotch and water or like a you know, bourbon water. And they say, like, a little water helps, like, bring out some of the, um, the flavors. In, right. It opens it up. Mm-hmm. In the bourbon or whiskey that you're drinking. But if you want to do it in a slower fashion, they're like, well, put the cubes in there. Or now they have the, the gigantic... The big balls. Ball. <laughs> it's yeah. like the snowball, mm-hmm. which is great because um, it melts, like, the water melts in, let, like, slower. Right. Right, because of the circumference, the whole... The whole geometry of it. Well, I think it's more the, uh, yeah, because the liquid, the bourbon liquid is warmer. And when it's outside of that and just touching the air, it's not going to melt as quickly. Right. But the fact that it's a giant bowl that fills the glass, that's actually what you want to have. Um, but I like the cubes in there. Makes a little you know, temperature down. Gets that little water up. I, I like it. It's good. Yeah. And then, you know good what? We, we did a, a couple of scotch tastings back in the day. And one of the things the guy who was hosting it said is, you know, some people like to drink things neat. Some people like it with ice. Some people like it with water. Some and if anybody doesn't know neat, neat means no cubes, nothing. Just, just straight. Oh, right natural. Yep. And he's like, you know what? He's like, how you drink it, how you like it is the way you should drink it. Exactly. You know, if you want to pour Sprite into it, you know, and that's the way you like it, 
go for it, you know? It's like my my rationalization for ordering a steak medium well. I don't even want to talk to you about that. That's See? just ugh. It's how I like it though. This is true. I've heard interviews with famous chefs. Famous and they're just like do whatever people like. Yep. If That's you, true. You know, and if I'm gonna if I'm gonna if I'm gonna, you know, go by that with my liquors, I should go by it with my food. I don't want to sit at a table with you while you're eating it medium well, <laughs> but I will I will agree to disagree. Exactly. You agree know? to disagree. Do what you're gonna do. Get our steaks together. We don't have to protest. I don't, you don't have to stand out outside of the steakhouse protesting while I eat my steak. Yeah. But just look the other way, and I'm gonna eat my steak and have a good time. I'm on team pink when it comes to steak. <laughs> <laughs> I'm on team pink. So you're a medium rare? Oh yeah, at most. Or medium. Medium rare at most. Wow. I like it. Uh, See if it's an aged steak, but a lot of times I don't know if it's an aged steak before I go to the steakhouse. So you got to look. Technically, everything is aged if you think about it. Depends. Some are aged better <laughs> than others. I'm That's just very saying. true. Uh, if it's aged, like really aged, like nice or marbly, like down to almost like a beef jerky, and then they cook mm. it, I can go for a medium. There you go. But if it's not beef jerky, like before they cook it, I don't know. The way I look at it, you can always cook it more. You can't cook it less. I like that. I like that idea. You know? But if when it's like bloody as hell, you just throw it in the microwave for two two seconds. But if you ask them to like take it back, they sp- everybody knows they, they spit on it, they rub the grunt. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know where that, you And worked. that's a myth, too. <laughs> I don't know where you worked and what experiences you had. <laughs> the funniest thing is every movie you see is like, that's what they do. Like, no, they don't do that. That's why, you know what's awesome? Korean barbecue. Because you have the little furnace at your table. So oh, that you can cook as much as you want. That's perfect. Korean barbecue. Do it that way. I got a Korean barbecue steak every day. Every day. <laughs> every day. You should buy a table with a little sterno furnace in there. Just bring your own little furnace. Just bring your own little... Oh, like a little torch. Yeah. Yeah. You don't have the, the torch for like, you know... Creme brulee. Creme brulee. Yeah. Just bring that. Just break it out. But like, no, this isn't done. Just look at the look at the waiter just while you're doing it. Just, yeah, this isn't done enough. But yeah, you buy, you always have it undercooked, and then you can finish it off yourself. I like that. It's I like dramatic, that methodology. Dramatic, romantic, gets exactly what you need. And, My, no, and no grundle rubbing on your meat. That's good. Meat on meat, that's not good. <laughs> See, my whole problem is, like, I'm hungry, like, when I get to the restaurant. Like, my mouth's all ready for steak. I want some steak. And that's the thing. You order it medium well, it takes longer. If you order it medium rare, it'd be ready, like, five minutes earlier. You know, the funniest part is, like, I think about it all the time. I'm like, I used to order it well, and then I went to medium. Because well's good, but most places don't know how to cook a well steak. If you cook it well, like a good place, they don't want to cook it well, so they cook it medium well, mm. <laughs> and they give it to you. And they see how it works, and you're like usually like, oh, this is great. It's juicy and, you know, the whole thing. So you just order medium well. If it comes a little red, that's fine with me, whatever, as long as there's no blood running. But uh, it's just one of those things. Like, you, you know, it could be a hockey puck, but the entire table is waiting because they try to bring everything out at the same time. Mm. So I look around, I'm like, yeah, everybody's pretty hungry. It's a dick move ordering <laughs> it that well. You got to order it <laughs> rare. You want it out quick, fast, The worst speed. part is somebody who has a well burger – you're waiting for a long time. No, they throw it in the fryer. That's what they do. <laughs> I worked in a restaurant. That's what we did. People ordered burgers well. You throw it in the fryer. It's done quick. Awesome. Yeah. Fried burger. Fried burgers. I'd pay extra for a fried burger. You shouldn't. Trust me. <laughs> fried burger with with the fries in there. Like you put the burger with the fries and just fry it. Like mozzarella sticks. Put them on there too. Just wrap oh, them. It's like meat mozzarella sticks. Instead of a bun, use mozzarella sticks. Wow. And you just put pickle onion on top. Boom. Let's get freaky. 
I like it. All right. Whew. That was uh, now, I'm, now I'm hungry. Now I want a steak. Yeah, I'm getting hungry for like a fried burger with cheese in it and french fries. Yeah. I don't know why. Get a fat sandwich. <clears throat> that the grease trucks. You can make a fat sandwich out of anything. It's true. You just call it fat, PHT, or FAT. That's what Rutgers was known for, the uh, the fat sandwiches, before oh, the food truck craze caught on. So We'll get to it later. Did you ever see anybody, the Rutgers food truck is famous, did you ever see anybody eat the three sandwiches and get their own named sandwich? Um, no. I never it's, saw that. It's incredible. I also commuted, so I didn't hang out there too much, but yeah, the, I never saw that. But I think it was the fat... What was that? Uh, it's Alexa. Well, what's Alexa doing? Is she ordering sandwiches for us? Alexa's ordering sandwiches. Alexa, order some sandwiches. I don't think she's going to do it. Oh, she's doing something. She's, she's going to do something. The Duke of Sandwich? The See, Earl of Sandwich. There's a goddamn sandwich that's coming here. I think it was the Fat Daryl. It was the chicken fingers, mozzarella sticks, uh, french fries. Yes. Order five Alexa, fleshlights. Stop. Alexa, stop. Alexa, stop. <laughs> damn, I'm this is amateur so. goddamn hours, what this is. All right. So anyway, part of the reason that we're drinking bourbon today is there was a story that came out. Oh, bourbon. Oh, boy. The good folks at Sierra Nevada, they ran into a little bugaboo. Um, They are announcing a recall of beer bottles in 37 states. So why the bottle? It's a voluntary recall announcing by the company that it applies to 12-ounce bottles that may contain a small glass packaging flaw. What? Mm. Who What? They detected a very limited number of bottles with a flaw that may result in loss of carbonation and a small piece of glass to break off and possibly fall into the bottle, causing a risk for injury. Goddamn. Yeah. They believe that the concern impacts roughly one in every 10,000 of our bottled packages during this time. They have set a standard for quality in craft brewing since 1980 and decided to take this precaution to ensure the safety of our customers. This is their statement. So to date, they have not received any consumer reports of injuries resulting from the potentially affected bottles and are working with the suppliers to determine the root cause of the issue. So if you were in, uh, let's see if I can know all of my abbreviations for these states. Oh, I know. Alabama, Arkansas, Connecticut, D.C., Delaware, Florida, Georgia, Iowa, Illinois, Indiana, Kansas, KY, <laughs> that's Kentucky. Kentucky. <laughs> <laughs> the Louis- jelly. That's Louis- a jelly place. Louisiana. Maryland. Oh, the M's are tough. Maryland. Uh, no, no, Massachusetts. Massachusetts. Maryland. Maine. Michigan. Minnesota. Missouri. The M's Mississippi, are Mississippi. Mississippi. North Carolina. New Hampshire. New Jersey. New York. Ohio. Oklahoma. Paradise. <laughs> Pennsylvania. Rhode Island. South Carolina. South Dakota. Tennessee. Texas. Virginia. Vermont. Pretty good. Wisconsin. West Virginia. So, MH. What's MH? MH is Matterhorn. Marshall know. Islands, man. M-H or M-I? M-I is Michigan. Oh, dude. Good I'm call. You, man. That's, that's the tricky one. Yeah. Now, I noticed, one thing I did notice here, um, all the dope skiing areas are not on here. Do you notice that? Colorado, Utah, California, Washington, Oregon, none of them have this problem. Yeah, what's up with that? It's just, uh, well, it also did happen on the uh, the North Carolina brewery, not the one in California. So they're yeah. keeping the good stuff for themselves. They're keeping the good snow, and they're keeping all the good bottles. We're getting Sons all the junk. Of bitches. We're getting the junk. Okay, so the beers that are affected, this is important, include classic Sierra Nevada Pale Ale, 
12 ounces of Beer Camp Golden IPA, Sidecar Orange Pale Ale, Beer Camp's Torpedo Extra IPA, mm. Tropical yeah. Torpedo, Nuna, Nuna, Hop Hunter, and Ultra Vez. Not a big fan of Ultra Vez. Have it on tap sometimes. Yeah. I know I've been a fan of the uh, Torpedo Extra IPA. That one's really Torpedo's good. Torpedo's really good. Haven't had the Tropical Torpedo, though, but it sounds interesting. Well, what I like about this is they weren't prompted, and they did, they're in 37 states, and they did the recall, which is costing them a shit ton of money. But I like Sierra Nevada even more now because, number one, they're, they're so the whole Sierra Nevada story is they've helped out a lot of microbrews get set up and get big. Um, and I just, I, I love their dedication to, like, quality and people, and they're very collaborative, man. I mean... It's a smart move on their part. It really does make them look much more classy, yeah, much more responsible. Yeah, which is which is important and which is great. I've heard interviews with the founder, and and he's just like very big into just helping other breweries out, which is ah, oh, they're they're great. So paying it forward, very good move. Um, and they're awesome. This I tropical think gonna, torpedo does sound awesome, though. I'm gonna go out and buy more Sierra Nevada just because of this article. Well, once they, after they've recalled it and they put the new bottles out, I think Tropical Torpedo will be in our future. Oh, if it's in a keg or on draft somewhere, I'm drinking it. According to Rate Beer, it's a 95. Boom. I can dig that. Boom. We are big fans of the citrusy big IPAs. That's for sure. Oh, yeah. It's time. It is definitely time. What time is it for, Brian? It is time for Frank's Bean of the Week. Frank and Bean. Frank and Bean. So sorry, sorry, Frank. So Frank uh, sent us a very... He's been traveling, apparently, this week. And he's a big Atlanta Falcons fan, so he's in a, in a happy... Congratulations to the Atlanta Falcons and Frank for being a big fan and getting there. Because I tell you what, I wish my fan team that I'm a fan favorite of would get there. Yes, congrats to the Falcons and the Patriots for a uh, for making to the, the big game, as they call it. Frank, I'm calling it right now. I think the Falcons win by... Four points. Four points. Ooh. Which is going to be messed up. MVP, Matty Ice? Um, Julio Jones. Julio Jones. I'm thinking Julio Jones makes a crazy, amazing catch in the end zone. Game winner, touchdown, boom, lights out. That's what I'm saying, Frank. But you That's heard it call. here first. You heard it here first. So, Frank's Bean of the Week is uh, a little indica jammy called Frosty. Now it's earthy, pungent, sage flavors, very strong indica strain. And according to the reviews, it's great for insomnia and anxiety, but it will cause some paranoia. Very heavy head high. Oh, yeah. You know, it seems like a pretty, pretty potent strain, just saying. It does sound like a bit of a, uh, a whopper. Um, people are, are, it's got a lot of very positive reviews and, uh, it's funny. It's your review. Well, it's funny the areas it says it's popular in. Cause you know, a lot of stuff you see in like the big towns, you know, like this is popular in Seattle and Los Angeles. This one is popular in Egg Harbor Township, New Jersey. It's a center for weed in New Jersey. Well, it's not legal in New Jersey. <laughs> um, Pawtucket, Rhode Island. Pawtucket. Not legal, not legal there. Yeah, it's medical in Rhode Island. They're looking to legalize it now too. Tacoma, Washington, which is kind of like the little, 
the like demented little brother of Seattle. Oh, what's in there? Viva Seattle. Viva, Viva Seattle. Viva SeaTac. Um, and Mount Seatech. Vernon, Washington. So it's not like it's not the big name places. So it's uh, it's. Did George Washington grow this in Mount Vernon? That's uh, Mount Vernon, New York, right? Just saying. I'm from Hollis, Queens, and not from Mount <laughs> Vernon. Um, yeah, so I don't know what that means about this. I don't know what, what, what this popular in these areas is trying to tell us. But it is, uh, yeah, it apparently causes some paranoia, but it makes you super relaxed. So good for fighting off stress and depression. So if you get a chance and you're in areas where it's legal, of course, only, check out some Frosty. That would be the yin and the yang. Indeed. Thank you, Frank. We appreciate it, as always. So with that, we are going to break now into the new segment. Julian's Pout Look. All right, so thank you, Julian, for this week's Pout Look. So the broad look, similar to last week, there's some high pressure sitting over most of the West. So things should be relatively calm for the time being after the craziness of the last few weeks. Low pressure is moving through the Northeast on Thursday, which should pull in some moisture, which hopefully means snow. Best bets for the upcoming week. Finally, snow is coming back to the East, mostly concentrated in Northern New York and Northern Vermont, possibly making its way to the Southern part of Quebec. Snow should start as early as Thursday, but the majority of it will fall early Friday morning and Saturday morning. Resorts that are in the best location to receive this snow are between Sugarbush and Jay Peak. So you got Sugarbush, Mad River, Stowe, Bolton, Smuggler's Notch. And uh, the West will be relatively quiet for the next few days after they've been spoiled these past few weeks. So to recap, the past week, Utah has been seeing some ridiculous snow early this week. Powder Mountain got almost four feet in three days. Snow Basin and Brighton got almost three and a half in the same three days. But the big winner again, California. Its position allowed three storms to move right over the parts of the state, pretty much back to back to back. Bear Mountain got 120 inches, 10 feet of snow this week, while Kirkwood and Mammoth both broke 100 inches. And in the east, kind of mild in comparison, Whiteface picked up 8 inches on Tuesday. But with this upcoming weekend, your pals are heading up to Jay Peak. So be able to report on just how much snow they get. So be sure to follow us, twitter.com slash skibumpodcast, facebook.com slash skibumpodcast, and instagram.com slash skibumpodcast, as we will report our pal findings. So thank you, Julian, for this week's report. And now. God damn it. See, this is technical problems again. These are mental problems, not technical problems. (laughs) It is time for the ski news. So in the review, please call up the mental problems instead of the technical problems. Yes. (laughs) So this is a bit of a follow-up from last week. So last week we talked about that really terrible avalanche that happened out in Italy at the Rigo Piano Hotel, but there was some positive news. So we found out that five days after the avalanche, three puppies were rescued from the hotel. And uh, these were three white sheepdog puppies um, that were found in an air pocket in the hotel's boiler room, um, the rescue brigade said. 
so they were holding out hope for more survivors as well. Um, but these... They said, they're still checking, which is... They're still checking. They're saying there have been several air pockets in areas, which is giving them a little bit of hope. And, you know, these dogs obviously are, uh, you know, kind of the an example of what's possible, which is great. So one thing that they're checking to right now is that um, they're thinking there is a, an air pocket in the boiler room, which is near the bar or whatever. So they're, they're trying to bash through that like now as we speak and mm-hmm. see if anybody's survived. Um, hopefully everybody that's missing is going to come out of there. That's, that's what we're hoping. Yeah. But it's, uh, it's pretty rough. It's crazy. Yeah, they're saying that the um, the puppies were the offspring of Nuvola and Lupo, who were sheepdogs who also lived at the hotel. Oh. But they escaped the avalanche alive. Oh, and they lived at the hotel? They lived at the hotel, but they got out. That's pretty cool. Yeah, and then they found these their little pups uh, a couple of days later, which is unbelievable. So that, that was kind of a happy, a happy twist on this story. Oh, wow. And uh, you know, I guess they're saying they've found a few other people. They they keep, they're still keep holding out hope because they keep finding air pockets, and there, you know, there was conditions that allowed for people to. to well, live. they found some kids, um, like after the avalanche, that they like everybody's given up hope, and then they found the puppy. So it's kind of like yeah, they assumed everybody was dead immediately, yeah. but yeah, it turns out that you know they they found these kids and they were just eating. I guess Nutella was there, so they had an air pocket. They were able to you know get food and had Love some air. Nutella, so, man. Yeah, so they they said right now um, there's 13 people still missing. Um, 16 people are dead, confirmed, and there's been 11 survivors. That's right. kind of what the totals were on on Tuesday afternoon, which is when we're recording this. So we're gonna see what happens. I mean, hopefully everybody comes out. Open the door, 13 people, jump out, boom, there you go. It'd be great. It's unlikely, but uh, I think there's still already way more survivors than they expected. So, yeah. you know, there's there's at least some, at least a little bit of positive news from that story. Um, so actually, the, you know, a little statistics on the actual avalanche. They're saying, you know, so basically they had a ton of snow in the area, and they had the earthquake, and the earthquake caused the avalanche, and they said it was a... 120,000 ton avalanche. Oh my God. So they're saying the police calculated that's the equivalent of the hotel being hit by 4,000 fully loaded trucks traveling about uh, 60 miles per hour, which is absolutely nuts. Jesus. So the force that was exerted on the hotel, of course, nothing's built to to last, um, you know, past that unless you're in like a bunker or something like that. That's crazy. Mm -hmm. Um, but now they're getting into some weird, which is probably going to come after, like it's just starting now. But I imagine after everything's said and done, they've, and, they've, and they've, you know, once the whole rescue thing is is um, gone through its its full course, because like I said, hopefully we're going to find thirteen people hiding in the in the basement tomorrow, and then you know after everything's all said and done, they actually started this whole thing now where they're saying an email was sent by the owner to the police saying, can you go up there and help everybody because people were freaked out about the um, earthquakes already. So I guess the earthquakes happened, which I didn't realize. I thought the earthquakes happened, and then the avalanches happened right after. It was actually going on for a while, and people were a little bit freaked out, and they're saying um, a few hours before, like, they got buried, um, you know, they were, you know, the owner was, like, emailing them saying, you know, can you go up and save people 
But of course, it was probably bedlam at that point. They got like six feet of snow. People are trying to get rescued everywhere, you know. So it's kind of, I don't know, it's one of those things where it's really a natural disaster. I mean, really natural occurrence, you know. Yeah, it's so crazy, too, this whole thing with the owner, you know, sending that email to police. I mean, really, is that is that the level of importance and urgency? I mean, how much, how often does an email really, you know, say urgent and mean it? Yeah. Usually if it's urgent, it's probably spam or a joke or some, you know, some clickbait nonsense. You'd think he'd give dick the people pics. a call. Somebody's in dick pics, right? You'd think he would, you know, at least make a little more effort to uh, to get that, you know, the area taken care of and, you know, get, get all the, uh, getting their people's concerns addressed earlier than he did. Yeah, I'm sure there's more to it, but that, like, this is, like, the first surfacing of this, which is, it's probably going to go on for a while, with, the, with especially with this whole thing now. This yeah. Email I, chain. I think this dude is probably going to try to stay off the radar as much as possible. Probably, yeah. Uh, you know, hang out in Thailand or something for a, a couple of years before he gets extradited back to, to you know, stand trial or something. Yeah, it just, you know what, um, no matter what happens, it makes you feel, it makes you realize how insignificant you are to the power of nature, right? So, oh, yeah. natural cause, like, just nature is so awe-inspiring that it can do this. It's, it's, it's incredible. Like, if they had this earthquake when it wasn't snowing in the middle of summer, there's no avalanche. Right. Nope, a couple of rocks roll down, no big deal. Um, it's just, it, it's crazy how it happens, you know? Yeah. Yeah, nature doesn't care how many push-ups you can do, what you have in your bank account, doesn't give a How many damn. puppies you have. Doesn't give a damn. It's going to mow you down either way. Well, I know if those puppies need adoption, probably about, I'm thinking about 30000 a pop. Puh. Yeah. They I were would, cute. They were adorable, the little sheepdog puppies. So Aww. sheepdog puppies are cute. They, they really so are big. cute. Yep. I could have one in the little apartment running around. Definitely. Just like a big it's like another human in the apartment. I could do that. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta, you could you could have, you know, herd any sort of uh, mice you might have or I oh, just let it run around the, the complex. That'd yeah. be great. I'd be like the mascot. I'd be like, Mary, I saw your dog around. Like, yeah, did you just, did you take him out? Did you feed him? Yeah. <laughs> He likes steak. Well done. <laughs> That's right. That's his favorite. He'll come back. I got the door open. He's, you know, I'm cooking yeah. something. Yeah, um. so that story, you know, it happened a week ago, but it's still ongoing. Mm. Yeah, so, you know, we'll keep... And it's heartbreaking. I mean, you know, you, you just hope everybody's safe and... That's kind of the theme of, of our whole, like, what we're talking about today. Brian and I were putting together a show and we're like, you know, just hope everybody stays safe. There's a lot of, like, dangerous shit out there, so... Yeah, and the last thing you ever think of when you're on vacation is something horrible like that happening. No, I'm thinking about Frosty is what I'm thinking about. Yeah, right? (laughs) (laughs) That's what makes you paranoid, and that's what makes you prepared for a situation like this. Exactly. Yeah. There's a a nice story um, drawn about, like, the fact that there's not a lot of diversity in skiing. So now when you talk about, like, other sports like golf and, you know, hockey and, and some of these other sports... You know, embracing the diversity in people and our culture is very important. Those are the three sports that I participate in the most. <laughs> I don't know what that says about me. So, um, apparently, what, I'm white as fuck. <laughs> what they say about you is skiing is a rich white person's sport, and that needs to change. <laughs> um, but no, I mean, hey, I'm Puerto Rican. I'm I'm 
I'm probably a statistic. I'm a white guy, but Puerto Rican. I'm probably a statistic in there somewhere because they're like, oh, we got Hispanic skin. You were like the point zero 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 one percent. Exactly. Yeah. Me and John Leguizamo, according to the commercials that he runs. Dude, why is he in like fifteen commercials now? Like, I would, he went from like not being anywhere to being like hawking Optimum online. Everywhere. He's selling like what is it like New York, New York ski areas or New York. Uh, yeah, ski areas. It's I all love New York, like the, the board. It's of, a, I love New York, the the New York board. It's cra- that, and there's another commercial too for like Easy Pass. Yeah, he's in at least three commercials. Oh, right the now. Easy Pass is the new one. Yeah, last year was the um, Ski New York. It's um, like I love New York, like board of travel York skiing, or whatever. Yeah, New York skiing though. He's like pushing the whole skiing thing. The um, Optimum one is really creepy though. There's like eight different Leguizamos. Optimum's pretty creepy too. They're a terrible company. They're just creepy in general. Yeah. Um, hey, and you know, you know, actually, total off paying topic. Paying a lot of money. The worst thing about Optimum, they actually have, again, they're a cable company. They suck. They actually have their own like TV show that they made up about these movers. Really? Yeah. Oh, really? You ever seen the commercials? It's like, oh, it's the movers, and like or the like jokes. Go are, to some other site to watch them or something. They're like super that? corny. The, the commercials, and really? I'm like, why would a cable company that sucks as much as they do try to make their own TV show? Fast forward five years, everybody that works for you is going to be like, I love the show. Yeah, and you're going to be like, oh my they're god, probably you're all idiots. Already said, you're all fired. <laughs> you're all. Idiots. You can't make coffee, and you like the show. You know what? Coffee's for closers. You can't have it. Yes. Put that coffee <laughs> down. Love that. Yep. I think I watch that at least once or twice a month. Gets me fired up. Fired up, man. Yeah. Where'd he go? All right. Diversity. <laughs> so bring it so Like Osamo, you. So we're talking about diversity. We're talking about skiing. Um I actually we, Brian and I were talking about this like uh before the, even the podcast and we were saying, you know, I saw something on Real Sports and Real Sports is great. Brent uh which Gumble? Bryant. Bryant Gumble. Uh, not Greg. <laughs> uh, Brian Gumble. He does a great job on that show, and uh, they have a lot of good reporters, and they do a good in-depth study on stuff. And I was telling him they did a big thing on golf where people are just getting out of golf. And, you know, the fear of skiing and boarding is going to be if we don't embrace the diversity and embrace the culture that we have and the millennials millennials are very like so the article went in in depth about like the many millennial makeup is very diverse and to not embrace everybody in that culture it's gonna segregate skiing to say well it's it's probably gonna die out so people are looking at it right now and it's good to say you know we need to get people involved in this and they talk about the cost of it they talk about the availability of skiing I mean, I grew up on Long Island, not a very wealthy neighborhood, not a lot of money, not a pot to piss in. But um, if skiing's an expensive sport, you can't just, you know, you talk about baseball, basketball, like, you know, some of those that are, like, really easy to get to. Basketball, you just need somebody in the neighborhood to have a basketball. Baseball, somebody in the neighborhood to have a bat and a ball. Glove, yeah. You know, maybe you have a glove, maybe you don't, you know, whatever. But, uh, you know... There's different levels of, of getting into it, like cost-wise, and skiing is, is pretty expensive. So that's one of the barriers that, you know, people see. So I just think if you can help somebody out with a lift ticket or some equipment, I always give away my equipment. Give away equipment to somebody that you know. 
that's the thing. Like I have some old gear. Like I don't even know what to do with it. You know, I mean, I don't want to give it to a ski shop because they're just going to resell it. Exactly. You know, and I, 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 I know like certain areas have played against sports. I mean, we used to have a bunch here where we live, but now they're all closed. Yeah. So at this point, like, I mean, if anyone knows or any any recommendations on what to do with old boots and old skis, please like hit us up skibumpodcast at gmail dot com because we really would like to uh, to donate some stuff because I know we both have a bunch of stuff. And if it can help people, you know, get started, you know, again, it's it's the toughest thing is because, you know, whenever you go and you rent stuff, it's always crap. Yeah. It never fits right. And if it doesn't fit right, you're not going to have a great time doing it. You know, I mean, that's, that's half the battle right there is getting the, the correct gear on. And it is an expensive sport. And, you know, part of it, it has to be expensive because look at look at the infrastructure required to run a ski resort and the technology of the stuff you wear like you know your board or your skis like it's and the boots like it's it's there's a lot involved but i'm talking like infrastructure like a ski lift like what does that cost to run a year you know you have to get you know you have the lodges you have all the employees working at the lodge you have you know people clearing snow people making snow people grooming snow you know it's not going to be a ten dollar ticket if you're going to get all these amenities you know it's and that's what that's what makes it tricky. There is a high kind of barrier to entry in it. Yeah. And then plus two, you know, now with you know global warming kind of manifesting itself, you're seeing that you know actions have to be taken by a lot of these areas to maintain the level of snow we've seen in the past. You know, Whistler last year yeah. was blowing snow in the glacier just to keep it keep it as the glacier. Um, that's going to play into it too. So it seems like these resorts are going to need more money just to stay functioning and can we at the same time get more people involved with that high barrier to entry so and i think another thing too is a lot of these areas are further you know not necessarily close to cities you know i mean utah is probably the the best example maybe even colorado where you you're in a city but you're close to the mountain um if you're in the northeast i mean you know you can get to small areas within an hour if you're in New York, Boston, whatever. But it's uh, it, it, you're not just if you have four kids and you've never gone before, it's gonna you're not just gonna go. Oh, let's go skiing this weekend. Let's go try it out. Yeah, I know friends that you're have dropping kids. at least five hundred bucks. Yeah, friends with kids, rentals, are just like, lift tickets, whatever. Yeah, you, you can't fly anywhere because like the cost of flights are just astronomical, mm-hmm. and like kids are over twelve. That's it. You're you're paying full price. It's it's a barrier right there, and then you're talking about drivable distance and then you're talking about equipment like it, it adds up like pretty quickly um but even even so like think about it this way like so growing up and have a pot to piss in if i never got into like i had a really cheap deal through the college and everything that i went to um if i didn't have that like to get into it now as an older person where i can afford it it's going to be a little bit more intimidating to get into it before i didn't really have the money to get into it unless i had that deal Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like you want to expose people to that deal because, like, if, if you're from an affluent area, you have the means to go skiing or boarding when you're younger. If you're not from an affluent area, you're never going to – it's never going to come up in conversation. I never played in a polo match. I'm just saying. Yeah. <laughs> we were talking about that too. Yeah. Um, well, that, yeah, and it's, it's great that seeing a lot of different organizations, you know, that are kind of getting kids started. You know, a lot of schools – have yeah. ski clubs where they, you know, they go on trips and, and that's, that's half the battle there is, you know, cause the, a lot of times the schools will get it subsidized or they'll have, you know, deals worked out and that's how you can start, you know, falling in love with the sport is do it young and do it with your friends and, yeah and that's how you get hooked. 
All kids want to play in the snow. Just saying. Who doesn't want to play in the snow? I'm an adult and I want to play in the snow. It's freaking great. Yeah, so, you know, they're they're trying to get, you know, other, you know, more minorities and, and other groups involved and... You know, again, it's not something's going to happen overnight. Um, it's just people need to be exposed and shown, you know, what's possible. You know, it's one of those things where, like, you, you say, like, we should have an organization for it. But I really think, you know, what? I reach out. Like, people should just reach out to other people that are skiing or boarding and just kind of help them out along. You know, mm-hmm. it's kind of nice. Yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's, again, it's not for everybody. Some people just don't like the snow in general. Some people, you know, don't live anywhere near a mountain. You know, if you're grown up in Mississippi, it's it's you're probably not going to just find a way to go skiing. So, in my mind, if you if you grew up or live, if you just live north of the Mason Dixon, you should ski or board, or cross country ski, or do something, snowshoe, something in the winter. Otherwise, you're going to stay inside and be miserable and say you hate the winter. Yeah. Because you have to get out. We're, we're meant to get out as human beings. We're just meant to be outside. Yep. We're not meant to be in cubicles. We're not meant to freaking take pictures of our food. We're meant oh. to be out there and experience Sit inside and watch freaking reality TV. It's, it's horrible. Nope. It's a death sentence. Go to the mountains. That's where we are, uh, we're meant to go. So, yeah. Anything we can do to, to get people out there? Because you know what? Without new people joining up and, and starting to get out there, the industry will crumble and die. You know, just like a lot of other... Not only that, I think people would be missing out on getting getting to at least touch nature a little bit. You know, mm-hmm. it's kind of nice. There's a there's a freedom you get in skiing that you know it's it's rare to get in any other sport. I think. Yeah. But yeah, we're uh, we'll do what we can to get more people out there. So now, one way to get people out there, a fun way. Oh yeah. Is to participate in a shot ski. Boom. Possibly. The world's largest scotch uh, shot ski. Scotch ski. Scotch key. Scotch key. I scotch like that. Scotch key. Maybe a, sh- a scotch ski. So now we reported, I think it was the summertime, maybe September-ish. Oh, yeah, we did. I remember this. Where Park City claimed to have the newest shot ski record. Park City Brewery. And I think Wasatch Brewery. Wasatch. And, you know, we kind of called it out, too. We're like, mm, they're drinking beer. Is that Does that really count? That seems a little... And as the way they did the skis, it was like a lot of t- skis tethered together, which was a little, I don't know, it just looked weird. Something seemed wrong about it, but yeah, the good folks in Breckenridge, they, uh, they have reclaimed the record. So, All right, so how did they do it, and what did they do it with? They lined up 1,234 people uh, along a 1,997-foot shot ski. Oh, you were three feet short of the 2,000. Comprised of 420 individual skis. And they're nice. like, are we in Colorado yet? <laughs> Damn. Um, High fluent ski bumps, 2000. Yeah. Now, like I said, Park City did it with a local beer, and Breckenridge did it the real way. So they have this How's thing called way? a hot box mountain shot, which is cinnamon whiskey. So I guess it's, I think it's. It must be Breckenridge Brewery's oh, version of it, a cinnamon whiskey. So it isn't like that it's homemade. fireball. It's, it's not fireball. It's, it's homemade. Apparently. Maybe cinnamon it's, whiskey. They just took whiskey and poured some cinnamon in it and mixed it. Are they allowed to call fireball like whiskey? They should not be able to, but somehow people are calling it whiskey. So I have a great story. Uh, I was talking to this young lady that uh, I met recently, and uh, she was saying how she was at a bar. We talked about this last week, right? Did we? <laughs> we did. 
and her people were hitting on her and they said, oh, let's let's you know, we're going to buy you a, uh, a whiskey. She's like, oh, great. You know, she ordered like a real whiskey, like a whatever. And they ordered Fireball. And after she stopped laughing at him and the bartender stopped laughing at him, they realized like, wow, maybe that's not real whiskey. So that's pathetic. But they still did their shot and moved along. Yeah. Needless to say, yada, yada. She, she was still single after that night. Yeah, right. So, yeah, so Hot Box Mountain Shot is a cinnamon whiskey that Breckenridge makes. So I wonder, you know what? I'll, I'm up for always giving new beverages a shot. I, uh, we've tried the Fireball before, and it is mm, not so good. But that was part of their bigger... Ulerfest. Ulerfest should be in every town. Yeah, it was part every of their Uller Festival which is a four-day celebration that pays homage to the Norse god of snow in the hopes of bringing more snowfall to Breck and the surrounding peaks. A.K.A. the patron saint of skiing. Yeah. Skiers, right? Yeah. So apparently it's been working out there because they just got hit with four feet of snow last week. Oh, that's awesome. So Breckenridge is keeping it real, having a great time. And uh, yeah, congrats on retaining or getting back your shot ski record. Very nice. Well done. Oh, you got the next one because I do. You were watching this, yeah. So uh, this was you a saw it live. This was, well, not on it tape. was act, no, it was actually recorded, oh, live it, recorded, live recorded. <laughs> so this past weekend on the uh, the FIS uh, slalom men's World Cup, Dave Riding takes the silver. So Dave Riding is a Great Britain ski racer, and it was his first ever time on the podium. He came in second place. At Kitzbühel, Dude, that's the, awesome. uh, the slalom race, and he was first play. He was in first after the first run, and then he had kind of a, a tough second run. He made one little um, mistake, but came in second. He's the first Brit to be on the podium in thirty-five years. Way to go, Great Britain! That's yeah, awesome. and they were saying during the you know I watched it on Sunday because the football games were both such terrible blowouts. NBC Sports was playing the um, the races. And they were saying that that he grew up in, I think it was London. It was definitely a city in England. But he learned to ski on uh, on plastic. Wow! And then eventually moved on to the the real the real snow. So he's uh, now moved up to fifth place in the World Cup slalom standings, and he's seventeenth overall. So, that is pretty awesome. And it's his only event is slalom. He doesn't do any of the other ones. They're already saying he's a legend. Yeah, and he's like Eddie the Eagle, but he actually won something, unlike that clown. <laughs> but yeah, it was uh, it was Eddie, really cool. Eddie the Eagle, if he won something, <clears throat> they were showing. And then the you know, day before were the uh, the downhill race at Kitzbühel, and that course is a monster. Oh my god! Yeah, you were saying it had a lot of like drops and everything. Well, the slalom actually had seven rollers. They were showing, and they're like, yeah, usually they have one, maybe zero, and this one has like seven. Damn. I mean, the, you're, you're dropping down and making these slalom turns. It was crazy. I mean, these guys, they're unbelievable, these uh, these World Cup skiers. But that that course looked really, really tough. And in downhill, I mean, there were so many people who got taken out, like big-name skiers. But it was uh, – that mountain is, is sweet and definitely a place on the list to, of, uh, to go at some point. I just want to know, was he skiing in jeans? Because that – it was just, it was more like an Austin Powers, you know, kind of <laughs> outfit. He had like a cravat and, you know, a crushed velvet suit. Excellent. The big Union Jack flag. That's fucking, that would yeah. be baller shit. Yeah. If he did that time wearing that. Big, like a Brexit cape. Oh, Brexit cape. Yeah. 
I like that. Yeah, it was it was so congratulations to to Dave Rodding. That was a, a fantastic performance. Congratulations to all of Great Britain. Yes. That's a an achievement. It's well a done. Like it. Um all right, so I'm back to the ghetto style. Uh ski and snowboard theft cases increase in Breckenridge in twenty sixteen. This is really like peaks and valleys for Breckenridge, huh? Peaks and valleys. So you have your high, you have your low. Um I think it's just a so um Last night, I got to say about 12 hours ago, I ordered locks for my, like, new gear. <laughs> ah, good move. So um, this kind of goes along with that. Like, I don't want my stuff stolen, so just lock it up, whatever. I mean, our buddy Nick, he got new skis, locking that shit up. I was like, I really should lock my stuff up, so. Yeah. Um, so ski boards, uh, skis and boards stolen, reported stolen by year. So 2013-75. Um, 2013 was a really fucked up year, huh? Well, they had a serial theft, a, th- a serial thief in Breckenridge in they 2013. did. They had somebody, like, taking them and selling them online. So, um, 2014, 25, 2015, 16, 2016, back up to 26. I don't know. Did anybody misplace those? Were they all confirmed stealings? I don't know. The struggle is real in Breckenridge. But I think it, you know, highlights, like, if you have good stuff, you just got to, like, keep it real. Yeah. I mean, a ski lock's, what, like, 30 bucks? Not even. Not even. Dude, 16 bucks. <laughs> Considering you're already dropping, you know, several, several hundred, possibly thousands on your skis, it's, it's worth uh, spending a few extra dollars to get your lock. I had one. I have one of those Dekine combination locks, but I... I thought I knew the combination. Apparently, I forgot it, and now it doesn't lock. What do you have to call the kind? You can't or? reset it. No, you're just done. Like, I went online looking for... Yeah, it's just done. Just light on a fire. I sent it to the kind. Pretty much, yeah. Damn it. Yep. That's so, bullshit. I gotta get a new one. Wow. Yeah, because I, mean, I have new skis as well, which we talked about last week. All right. You gotta get a lock. Gotta lock it up. Lock it up. Lock it up. All right. Another story. This is from Outside Magazine. The secret... To happiness is the repetition of simple chores and dogs, sled dogs. And uh, it talks about turning puppies into full-fledged dog sledding athletes. Pretty awesome. And it's a tough endeavor, but it's one of those things that, you know, it it makes the owners extremely happy. It leads to very, very happy dogs. And it's just a... uh, The dogs, they live a very fulfilled life because, you know thing about dogs is they want to take care of their masters like that's they want to you know do work for them and this is one of the best you know dog best lives a dog can have is being able to contribute to uh to his owner that way i have watched enough dog whisper to know some dogs want to work like they're not satisfied being at home like that's why they chew up your couch like they do some they need crazy to exercise shit. they need to get out they want to get out they want to feel purposeful who doesn't want to feel purposeful right any of those working class dogs that you see yeah that's that's you know hurting the hurting dogs all those different classes of dogs they they need energy they have energy they need exercise they need to get out there they need to do something we all want to feel purposeful right mm-hmm. like why wouldn't a dog want to feel purposeful? Unless you're one of those little, like, crappy, like, tiny dogs, like Pomeranians and Chihuahuas. They're just happy sitting in a purse. They just want to sit. They're not real dogs, though. Bark, eat shit. That's all they want to do. I don't know how they were wolves at one point. I just, I can't even wrap my head I don't see that. them. I, I don't see them as part of the same genus, phylum, the whole thing. Yeah. yeah. I like real dogs, like, you know, retrievers and shepherds, like, real dogs. 
Stuff that you could be scared of if it were like bad. Like yeah. Evil, right? Like if it was possessed by evil, like a zombie version. Exactly. Yeah. But I tell you what, it's it's freaking awesome. These these guys, you know, they go out with these dogs and they like train them to be a pack and it's a whole different it's a whole different world. Yeah, they go camping with them and hunting with them. I mean, and these dogs are way happier than they'd ever be in any sort of, you know, city or, you know, apartment situation. Totally. It's really cool. Yes, yeah, so we'll post this this link. You can check out the adorable photos and, and some more information. That is a great story, too. Love it. Um, so, I I tell you what. Yurts are really kin to Brian's heart. Yacht to yurt. And yurt tours are freaking... They sound more, more and more awesome every day. Uh, one day shortly, you may hear of me taking a yurt trip uh, or a hut-to-hut trip, which is a yurt trip. But... Um, so Brian found this site that had a lot of uh, yurt trips and yurt organizations that are running in Colorado. And um, basically, the idea is you take ski lifts for granted, and the idea behind getting really fresh powder and really great experiences was you used to have to, like, travel, trek, hike, and you can still do that today because there are some really awesome places to do that, especially in Colorado, so... I don't know. Let's talk about some of them, Brian. Yeah, so a, a yurt is technically, it, it's pretty much a large one-room tent on wooden platforms, and it usually sleeps around six people. There's a wood-burning stove for heat and a gas stove for cooking. If anybody has seen Marco Polo on Netflix, they live in yurts. That's all you see are yurts. <laughs> it's all a yurt-focused series. Yeah, what's cool, too, is they say, you know, unlike when you're summer backpacking, you don't need to carry your tent or your kitchen. So, you know, the yurt has the, it's, you know, a place to sleep, but it's also a place, it has the cooking facilities in there too. So it's less stuff you have to carry around, which is awesome. And you can rent an entire yurt so you're not bunking with strangers. You just have your your whole crew in there. Did you, did you see our post from Justin before? I don't think so. Who's at the yurt? Oh, it, Killington? Yeah. The Ledgewood yurt? Still pissed me off. Still a yurt. Still haven't gone there. Still a yurt. Got to make that happen. Damn it, man. Yeah. All right, so Colorado has a lot of yurts, and some of them that are available for rent, they have different... So they they rate them in terms of, like, if you have a long trek to get to the yurt, that's a little bit more advanced. If you have a shorter trek, a little bit less advanced, and then it depends what skiing you get access to. Because when you go and you're trekking, you're not around any lifts. You're in the middle of... Nowhere, you know, which is mm-hmm. really kind of cool. Um, so Colorado has a bunch of them. Um, so they have the Hindu Hot Route, which is the highest yurt system system in Colorado with two different experiences. So they have an easy and a more advanced. Uh, one's like I think a 1.2-mile uh, trek, and the other one's like a 2-point-something-mile trek. So... You know, that's where you, you have to work a little bit more for your turns, and then you get to the yurt, hang out, chill out, the whole thing. Um, Wolf Creek Backcountry. Oh, yeah. Which I knew you would love. Yeah, this is, uh, you know, our pal Nick. He maybe, Nick's maybe. listening. Nicholas. Uh, Nicholas. What's up, dude? I'm talking to you right now. Penny for your thoughts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There is a uh, a possibility he may be uh, procuring some real estate in that area, so that could lead to a uh, a highfalutin trip 
out so to Wolf Creek. Wolf in the Creek, near by the way, gets the most snow in Colorado, hands down. They sure goddamn do. Hands freaking down. Yeah. It's, it's like all backcountry. Yeah. But they have yurts. They sure do. So we may be running a high in Wolf Creek backcountry. Highfalutin yurt trip. Just we might partner with Wolf Creek backcountry and do little whatever. I like it. About a three-mile ski on mostly groomed Nordic trails and graded forest roads. Mm. That's pretty awesome. That sounds pretty awesome to me. All right, what do we got next? All right, next up. Never Summer uh, Nordic? What's that? Never Summer Nordic. Yeah. We have nine yurts on marked trails, ideal for a yurt-to-yurt trip. So that's the big thing. You have to have one yurt to go to another yurt. You're living large that day. Mm -hmm. You're yurting to yurting. Yeah, it doesn't say exactly how far each of them are, but that uh, that seems pretty doable. Uh, Southwick Nordic Center and then Hidden Treasure Yurts. So there's a bunch of them that are around, so definitely look into it. It's a great trip idea. Mm-hmm. But And there's different levels, too. You know, if you're... Definitely. You know, beginners or advanced, you can... You know, there's different... Trips available for for all different availabilities. So I'm gonna take you from a yacht to the yurt. Yacht to yurt. <laughs> from the helicopter to the yurt. You know, it's just all different permutations. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. So yeah, we're hopefully get to do one of those in the near future. So next up, we got the chance for a VIP on the free ride world tour 2017. This looks freaking awesome. So now... And how do we know about this, Brian? This was through our pals at FatMap. Boom. Thank you, Aaron. Yeah. Thank you very much. So this is a, uh, a possibility. You can, um, you can win a trip, a VIP behind-the-scenes viewing trip of the Free Ride World Tour. And this looks really VIP, too. Meet riders, go to the official after party, ski with one of the leading pro skiers in the <laughs> world. Really no messing around. Guided really off-piste <laughs> skiing and avalanche skills training. Pro photographer. Luxury chalet with hot tub in Verbier. There's no fucking around. Free use of Faction's latest skis. Boom. And then relive your day using 3D visualizations of the terrain thanks to FatMap. I love FatMap. Very cool stuff. That is really a VIP. Yeah. I mean, you can also... Well, you can buy the package, and it's roughly, what is it, 1,200 pounds per person. It's in uh, British money. Oh, that's about 50 equal. bucks. It's about equal to that. <laughs> but that With does not include flights, return travel, or tuition. But tuition? No, tuition is for exactly. Hey, it's crossed out. It says tuition crossed out. Learning knowledge. I guess. Uh, where do we have to fly into? Geneva? Geneva, yep. Ah, we yeah. have a constant thing at Geneva. Always. Weren't we in Davos recently for the... Uh, I'm going to call our buddy in Geneva Airport to book us. We'll be good. Well done. Don't worry about it. Um, we can either ski J-Peak this weekend or go to Geneva. That's mm. what I'm saying. But we're going to wait till this thing is going. End of the ski season. We're living large. See how the pal's looking. So this is... Dude, just post bonus time. Everything's on the table right now. It's true. Anything is possible. All right, so uh, last but not least, um, so there's a lot of snow that's causing some problems at resorts. So there's a bunch of different problems. So some are the snow piles up too much for the lifts to go through, (laughs) and the other are snow piles up too much where people just can't get to the place 
And another is snow piles up too much where you have inbounds avalanches. So people are actually kind of complaining that there's too much snow. I don't know what they're talking about. I've never had this problem before in my life. <laughs> and I think it's just a ridiculous made-up story. Yeah, some of, these, think, some of these pictures are just insane. I mean, there's pictures that, you know, Kirkwood, that was the one we, we retweeted on, on Monday, and it showed the bottom of the chairlift pretty much like the, the chair buried. I mean, <sighs> there's just so much snow that the actual chair was buried under snow. Oh, that's crazy. Yeah, and then there's pictures at Squaw of people, you know, reaching up, almost able to touch the chairlift. Again, because of all the snow. I love the picture of the van with, like, the big boulder on top that looks like Flintstone kind of, like, brontosaurus thing. It's pretty much the same. The The snow pile on top of the car <laughs> is almost as tall as the car itself is. It's crazy. Yeah. Love it. Yeah, they're saying Mammoth has got a, a base depth of over 270 inches. So I'm seeing a lot of stuff around saying that they're either at or close to the total, uh, the full year totals already, and it's not even mid-year for most of these places. Yeah, there's still another week left in January. It's crazy. Yeah, they're just, and it looks like storms are still starting to roll in. You know, it's not like they're saying, oh, we're done with snow for a while. These storms just keep continuing to come in. So they're getting pounded. So our friends in Switzerland, our friends in the U.K., Get ready to come out to out west U.S. and go skiing. And don't bring your little silly narrow skis. You got to get some nice big fat pow boards. Oh, that's to a, handle all that. That's a very good point because you know we know so many people from Europe and they have their little carving skis and that's all. They're cute. like seventy five underfoot. It's very petite. It's adorable. But you need big fat out west. We're gonna have like a throwdown, a whiskey throwdown. If you don't have like, like giant skis. beef rib bones, that's right. Yeah, not like these little tiny toothpicks you guys are using. Yeah, we have the little petite ones. They're they kind of cute. They love those. They love being uh, staying on piste and love having their groomers over there. Off piste. That's the off only piste way to, way do to it. go. Yep. Got to make sure it's off piste. That's right. All right, and then that wraps up the old ski news for the week. Yeah. It is on to. The main topic. So what are we calling it this week? So this week, I think we're calling it um, Snowbody's Business. Snowbody's Business. So, so what, pray tell, are we talking about? So we're talking about, like, managing your business while you're out on the mountain. Mm. Now, there's a lot of stuff going on. While we love a lot of powder, we also love a lot of people. And we want to make sure nobody gets hurt. Mm. And there's a lot of dangerous shit out there right now. So, um... One of the things we've been thinking about recently, because we're thinking about going back country, off peace, in Mount, like at this point, we're going just out west. You know what I mean? In resort, whatever. Um, so the National Avalanche, is it National Avalanche Consortium? NAC? I have no idea what that stands for. Center. National Avalanche Center. National Avalanche Center. They put out a video recently, uh, last few days, that. Um, has like an avalanche advisory, but it actually explains the danger of avalanches and why they're so dangerous and, and kind of explains a little bit of the guts of like what makes an avalanche. Um, I really love the video and I think everybody should look at it because it's not even for me like to look at for myself, but like I want to know what to do if somebody else that I know that I'm skiing with gets buried. Mm-hmm. 
So it's kind of like everybody should look at it. It's kind of nice to see. And you would understand a little bit more about why you should be a little bit more conscious of this when you go back country or even like in steep terrain, like with a lot of snow. Yeah, and the video is good. It talks about the different levels too of danger. So there's extreme, high, considerable, moderate, and low. And one of the things we talked about a couple weeks ago, it said that the majority of deaths happen when not at extreme and not at high, but at considerable. Because people almost take it for granted. It's like, oh, it's considerable. It's the middle of the road. It's not that big a deal. I'll do what I want to do. And No big deal, right? No big deal. But unfortunately, you get a little lax in your uh, your preparation and you know what you think you can handle and that's when problems tend to happen yeah and then one of the other things it talks about is the elements um like the avalanche you know characteristics well elements one of them is character the size the location and the likelihood so those are the you know some of the problems that people need to be taking into consideration when they're going and the video kind of breaks it into you know, breaks it down a little bit more. Is it, you know, for character, is it a cornice? Is it loose dry, persistent slabs, wet slabs, deep persistent slabs, glide, storm slabs? So, you know, it gets into all the details and, you know, the characteristics of each one of those, the location, what direction it's going, um, the likelihood, you know, certain, likely, unlikely, and... Then also the size. Is it, you know, historic, large, small? So all those things kind of play into, you know, the likelihood of there being an avalanche, the possibility. Um, and one of the things that we saw recently, too, is it talked about what, like how well that we actually predict them. And I think they were saying they can predict up to 80% accuracy, you know, the likelihood of an avalanche. So if you are going to the backcountry... Or, you know, there is a, a chance or there's been a lot of snow. You have to get the forecasts, the avalanche forecasts. They're usually quite good. And that's where, you know, an, an app like Fat Maps really comes into comes yeah. in handy because they do a great job getting the updated information and, and having... They give it to you without having to look at it. Like, they dissect they predict it and it, they yeah. put it, they plot it on the map for you, which is great. It's really good. And then, too, you know, you most mountains will have that information as well. And it's one of those things, you know, and everybody wants to get the fresh pow. Everybody wants to get, you know, tackle the new challenge. But you know what? At the end of the day, you want to live to ski another day. That's that's the most important thing. So, you know, if you do feel that something is not safe, you really probably should not do it. So I like this because it breaks down how to read that uh, avalanche report Mm -hmm. and what to look for. And this is something that I think I'm going to send to the buddies that we're going to Park City with just in case they want to look at it and actually take it in because it would never hurt to know this. I think most of the avalanches they're going to encounter are going to be at the bar. Yeah, which is on the off case, you know. An hey. avalanche of nachos. Let's say they want to, like, go for the avalanche of nachos off piste. You know, maybe look at the conditions. Is it, you know, it's going to slide on them. But, uh, no, a lot of good uh, information in there. Very good video they put together. Mm -hmm. So what do you got? Avalanche Professional? Yeah, so that was a a cool story, and that was on uh, Wagner Custom Skis site. 
and it's backcountry safety, how to think like an avalanche professional. And this is, uh, they spoke to Billy Rankin, who's the snow safety director with 11 experience. And it kind of talks about his day and, you know, how he um, is preparing to go into the backcountry and, you know, checks out the snowpack and the avalanche bulletin, weather forecasts, how much snow is falling, wind speeds, wind directions, observations and field reports. And it kind of breaks down. It helps you kind of come up with a plan. Is it worth doing? Can you do it? Is it not worth doing? Um, Dude, the best thing about this is this is what you pay a guide to do. So you kind of, like, it walks you through, like, what the guide is doing before they take you out back country. Mm-hmm. I mean, and it's it's great because, like, at least you know the process that they should be going through. Um, yeah, they're doing all that recon yeah, in the lot. mornings, getting ready before they, you know, meet up with you. So There's a lot that gets done before you even get up. Yeah. And it also mentions in that article, avalanchecenter.org. And shows you know where the the possibilities and uh, the levels of the avalanches are. So right now, I'm looking at the map, and there's low, moderate, considerable, high, and extreme, like we just mentioned. And right now, all of southern Colorado is in the fours, in the high range, mm. North San Juans and the South San Juans. So it's high, and then pretty much the rest of Colorado, the whole. Rocky Mountain area is at least considerable. And then over in Utah, um, Provo, Salt Lake, Ogden, Logan, and Western Unita. I don't know. Did I pronounce that right? Uinta? I forget how they pronounce that. Um, They're all highs as well. They're all fours. Wow. So pretty much everything all around, you know, Snowbird, Alta, Solitude, all those. They're all fours. Hmm. Crazy, man. It is unbelievable how much snow there is. And this website gives you the directional, too, like where is the the most snow um, and the different warnings and special notices. So right now, as an example, I just clicked on the, uh, the Salt Lake City one, and it's saying it's a special announcement. Little Cottonwood Canyon, which is how you get to Snowbird and Alta, and many other mountain passes are closed this morning. Damn. The canyon roads will be changing, backcountry closures, and updates will be issued all day. So this is one of the fears I have. Like, you fly in, but we might not even be able to get there. It's a possibility. Or we get there, it snows, we get stuck there, and no one else can come in. So it's our mountain. Exactly. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. It means there's plenty of hotel rooms because no one else can get in. Boom. Yeah, they got 30 inches of snow. Damn. Um since last within within the storm and then since last Thursday 70 to 75 inches that's crazy yeah all right so go let's let's break this down so they're talking about the avalanche story so follow the story just like what's going on in your local area <laughs> then they're talking about like you know and and break down the mountain then they're talking about having an opinion like what are you going to do what advice are you going to follow what places are you going to go uh Ski appropriate terrain. You don't want to go over your head. You don't want to do extreme shoots if you're not a shoot skier. <laughs> Let's mm-hmm. put it that way. Brian and I did shoots in uh, Whistler, and you know what? Shit my pants almost for that day. <laughs> it was pretty pretty uh, interesting. And one of the things, too, I mean, there was really very low avalanche warnings that day. Yeah, we were really... 
And one thing you realize is why you need to to space out the times you try you you know drop down into the chute, yeah. Because of how much snow gets moved with every turn you make, dude. I had to stop because I was like pouring snow on you. I was like, I gotta stop because I'm burying the guy right now. Yeah, <laughs> I can see up. it coming down, and <laughs> we definitely should have waited a little bit longer after that hike to start skiing. But you know. Live and learn. Live and learn. Learn, live, tell the tale. We had like a 40, 50-minute hike, whatever, right? Yeah, and then we took a zero-minute break <laughs> and just dropped right in. Unwise move. Unwise move. But, yeah, it's one of those things that you really need to, to be conscious because that's what they say a lot of the deaths occur is, you know, when you're in a group and uh, the people are all waiting and then you, you know, slab comes down and takes everyone out waiting for you or someone you don't even know. And this goes into the next point. Understand how the human factor affects you. So if you're in a group, a lot of times people are thinking like, oh, I'm in a group. I'm not going to get harmed. I'm okay. And you know, until like 20 people get buried. Strength in numbers, you think, yeah. And the strength in numbers has, Mother Nature doesn't, gives a little, not even a little bit of a shit because it's Mother Nature. She's thinking 10 birds with one stone. She's thinking, I got 20 of you guys. That's it. Yeah. Boom. I don't care. You're you're in the way of this. There's food for some other people then if you guys are gone. So that's what happens, man, you know, and it's that whole group thing. So they're like, you know, just you got to look at the warning signs. You got to talk and you got to like, you know, do your own thing, but don't get into that group think. Um, and then manage your exposure. So, you know, it's it's like what we talked about. Make sure you ski one person at a time. Um, if you're skiing and somebody's below you, don't don't cut across the whole mountain because you'll cut across a slab. Mm-hmm. Um be careful if you're down below. Don't stand below where the person's skiing. I mean, yep. there's certain things that are just kind of like natural, you know, smart things to do. Follow those and then, you know, just kind of listen to like advice that people give you. Yeah, and there's a lot of good sites you can go to. You know, one of the things they say is you should really take an avalanche course. Yeah, that's and, the last um, one. Educate yourself, right? Yeah. Be educated before you go in. Mm-hmm. So they, they mentioned uh, AIARE.org, the Avalanche uh, American Institute for Avalanche Research and Education. Um, there is... The ARI. Oh, ARI. Game of Thrones. <laughs> the American Avalanche Association and the American Avalanche Institute. And I guess one of the things about those, you know... It always sounds like a good idea, and you know it's it's really easy to go. Oh, I only have you know five days out. I I can't take the time to go to one of these courses, and and I know we were in the same boat when we were out at Whistler. We were like, no, oh, there's this great avalanche course we could can't take it. ever take the course after something's happened. Exactly, that's the problem. Mm-hmm. Mm. So you know it is. Uh, it's something. It is if you're going to do a lot of backcountry skiing, it is really important to get the education so that. You live to ski another time in the backcountry. Well, nowadays, it's not even like, you know, at this state in time, with all the shit going on, with as much snow as being dumped, it's not even backcountry. It's like just being smart, you know, like just Mm -hmm. with your people that you're skiing with. I mean, so, I mean, we haven't, um, we talk about backcountry, but we're talking about like even inbounds at this point in time. Um, Even we have a backcountry ski packing list, right? So if you're going backcountry, this is uh, Off Piece Mag. has a nice little packing list for if you go in backcountry. And, you know, Brian and I kind of went through this with our buddy Nick. We went out, you know, out west, the whole thing. 
Um, but the three things you're always going to need to have, if you want to go backcountry, you even rent it or just buy it, a shovel, a probe, and a beacon. Mm-hmm. You got to have those because it's not even like I want it for myself. I want somebody else to have it to find me if I'm buried. Mm-hmm. You know? So you got to think about it in terms of you're not doing it for yourself necessarily. You're doing it for other people, and other people are doing it for you. So it's kind of reciprocal. Like if you you know have your stuff and you're all ready to go and you're educated and you know what you're doing, that you want to go out with that person when you go backcountry. Oh, yeah. You definitely feel more comfortable. I know, you know, Nick has done the safety course, and going out with him, you you just felt more comfortable. And he knew the mountain, too. He explains so. stuff. It's great. You know, yeah. He, mm-hmm. he knows the purpose behind it. But, you know, in all honesty, like, you, I, I know people, we know people that have gone out with people without, I'm not naming any names, that have gone out without any avalanche gear backcountry. Or even a helmet. Or even a helmet. Yeah, why not? It's optional, too, I guess. Yeah, um, sure. You weren't born with it, so what do you need? Exactly. But, you know, if you think about it in hindsight, that person will have the gear and be educated and have all the equipment, not necessarily for them, but for everybody else in the group. Mm-hmm. Because, you know what? Maybe they don't get buried. Maybe you get buried. Now, they don't have a transceiver. They can't find you. They don't have a probe. They don't have a shovel. So what are they going to do? They just say... Oh, I guess I'll ski down and be like, well, so-and-so got buried over there. I mean, it's it's a pretty horrible thought. You can help, right? Yeah, pretty horrible thought, but you want to be able to help people, and you want to, other people to help yourself. It's it's kind of a mutual, respective, you know, kind of respectful kind of community. So Definitely. Um, so skins are another thing. If you're going to go, like, touring, you want skins, puffy jacket, they're talking about. Uh, ski yeah, because shell. it's light, so you know it, it packs easily and it's light, so it doesn't take up too much space. Right, right. Uh, ski shell, uh, compass, thermos, water bottle. Which you know you could should always have water. Always have some kind of water. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, compass. I guess it depends how far you go in. If you're yeah. really backcountry, you're not. You don't. You're not. Your phone's not going to work. Right. So just be prepared for, for bad that. visibility. It's it's good to have that too. Which most people I know now nowadays would lose their shit if their phone was not working. Mm-hmm. Which I don't understand. Just shut it off and you're okay. Um, see, what about headlamp in case you're at night? It's stuck at night. Sunglasses because the eye thing. Uh, toolkit. You know what? I have a multi tool that I bought. Put in my back uh, backpack just for such a case because. What if you get caught? You know, something happens. You got to fix something. There's no tools out there. It's true. You know, mm-hmm. uh, ski scraper, spare gloves, eh, whatever. Uh, and then secondary backcountry ski packing. List. So this is a great comprehensive list. They have GPS, handheld VHF radio, ski crampons, snow saw. I guess you got to show your arm off. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> ruck short. Ruck, ruck cord? I'm surprised it doesn't mention airbag anywhere on here. You know, I guess that's... Backcountry airbag. I would think in the, the secondary one, they might have the airbag in there, which, you know, a lot of... You know, if you're going to serious avalanche conditions, it's uh, it's probably recommended. I guess that's part of your backpack? Yeah. I don't know. It's, it's weird, kind of right? an assumption, yeah. I mean, it's it, it's not like a default thing, so... Yeah. That's an option as well. So there's, uh, you know, a lot of gear you really need, and you got to know how to use the gear. I'll, I'll be honest right now. I not comfortable with how well I use my beacon. You know, I would I definitely need some more training um 
to use it correctly, I think in an effective way. So yeah. it's something that, that needs to be done before we, we do any other, you know, serious backcountry trips. And you know what's great about that is he's worried about it, but it's not going to affect him as much as it would affect me if I get buried and I'm with him. Right. But he's worried about it. I'm going to start probing, just stabbing. It's like, <laughs> this guy's down here somewhere. But I love it. See, this is like, that's somebody you can go backcountry with. He cares about it. Like mm-hmm. he's, he's, he doesn't like, well, whatever, I don't have, I don't have the shit. I'm just going to, whatever, I'll call somebody. We'll figure it out, bro. We got weed and booze. We'll be fine. Yeah. No, you got to take this very seriously because it, uh, the thing, bad things can happen. And they, you know, we've seen evidence of it so many times this year. And it, we're going to see probably more stories in the next week about people getting in trouble in the, uh, with the avalanches in that country. I was actually just wondering uh, this week, I was talking to somebody about like, you know, I haven't heard statistics on the number of people buried in avalanches. And I'm wondering if it's going to be higher or lower than last year. Hmm. Because last year was pretty bad. Um, they got pounded with snow and there was a lot of avalanche uh, burials. So I'm just wondering, is it is it worse? Is it is it better because of backpacks, like airbags or, or like what's going on? Is Or are people being more cautious? Uh, yeah, that's a good question. I guess uh, only time will tell with that. Yeah, yeah. All right. So next up, we got uh, backcountry guides and operators. So TGR and Outdoor Research put together a list of guide companies, which is pretty awesome. Um, they have guide companies around the world, and basically what they're saying is uh, there's many qualified guides out there, but they just listed some of the top five around the world that they thought. Um, so they have one, SAS Global Travel, Argentina, Japan, and Chile. Hmm. Chile's on the list, man. Yep. Going to be close on the list. Uh, Baldface Lodge, I've heard of them. Black Ops Valdez, we've heard of them, of course, TGR. Um, Exum Mountain Guys, Jackson. I don't know where they were. Yeah, I don't think we, we, we got over there. We weren't as baller as uh, everybody else. Uh, and San Juan Mountain Guides, uh, O'Reilly, Colorado. So uh, just five to name a few, but you know what? And it goes along with the theme. So we're talking about, like, being really safe when you go in deep powder, when you go in a backcountry. So make sure you have your stuff. Make sure you uh, are prepared. Make sure you have your stuff packed. And then if you're going backcountry or you're going to do something extreme and you haven't done it before and you're not a professional and you haven't done it for a bunch of years... Get a freaking guide. Don't mm-hmm. be one of those idiots that gets caught and has to get rescued by some fucking, you know, helicopter. Be prepared, you know. We kind of mentioned it a little bit earlier, uh, Utah's forecast, the danger, the avalanche danger remains high, and there's more snow still on the way. Damn. So, yeah, we, we talked about it just before. And they've, cl- like, a lot of resorts out there have closed in the recent weeks, right? A bunch of... Well, not uh, we were talking about earlier how, or a couple of weeks ago, how Crested Butte closed for a day, Butte. and a few places in the, the Tahoe area had to close too because of all the snow. Mm. But now they're saying in Utah that more than two feet has fallen in the northern and central mountains on Monday. Jeez. So resorts topped um, over twenty nine inches at Brighton, while Alta had twenty two. Park City and Solitude, 18. Deer Valley and Sundance, 18. Snowbird, 17. And Provo Canyon, 14. Uh, oh, yeah. Powder Mountain was closed Monday and remained so on Tuesday in the wake of the avalanche that temporarily, temporarily trapped an employee in a vehicle. 
Wow. 14 inches. Only 14 inches, and they, they had that happen. Wow. So, yeah, they... Uh, well, they've gotten so much snow up to this point, right? It's just kind of crazy. Yeah, it's not like they had nothing, and then all of a sudden got this. I mean, they've been just pounded this whole season. Mm. And they said there's more, there's more on the way. Well, and this is near and dear to our heart because we're going to be going there in about a week and a half. So Two weeks from today. Two weeks. Wow, two weeks from today. Two weeks from today, yeah. Damn. Mm-hmm. All right, so we'll let you know how the avalanche danger. I'm going to have my backpack on me all the time. Yeah, seriously. Probe going the entire time. I'm going to land. Boop. Probe's on. <laughs> <laughs> Baggage check. I'm there. You can find me. Like, yeah, Easily. here's Mary. Beep, beep, beep. There beep, he is. Beep. Uh, so same in in uh, Jackson. So Jackson actually came out with a story in their local paper that um, the avalanche danger is hitting not not big, not like incredible. It's extreme. Trump like Trump like the most huge. fabulous extreme. It's huge. Um, so they're actually saying like a lot of a uh, you know they interviewed one of the ambassadors, uh, Jay Pistano. Uh, so he estimated that about forty to forty five cars. Uh, parked along Tidon Pass on you know throughout Wednesday, and they're saying avalanche was just it's not high it's been higher than high all season. So Jackson, we were there last year. It was a fucking great mountain, most incredible like advanced skiing that I've ever done. Um, I can only imagine with the amount of snow they've gotten, it's probably awesome and terrifying at the same time. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. Just uh, makes you wonder, like, you know, people got to be careful. I mean, yeah. yeah, people are hardcore out there. That's that's the one thing about Jackson that was so cool is, I mean, you had bomb-ass skiers out there. I mean, yeah. people who were unbelievable. Now, that's, if you look at the history over the last, you know, 10 years or so, you can also see the, you know, who has died skiing, and there has been some of the most amazing skiers Exactly. Going in the backcountry, doing crazy stuff. So, so while you're amazing and extreme, you don't want to be amazingly extremely dead. An avalanche does not give a fuck how good you are. That's right. You know? It will uh it will take you down. So again, I we're with you guys. We are uh, are psyched for the big snow too, but you know, there's gotta be a point where you uh you have to you have to measure the level of safety and, you know, do what you feel is right. And uh, I say, listen to locals, man. They know. Live to ski another day. That's what it all comes down to. Yeah. So that's uh, that wraps up the the main topic. So we got a lot of a lot of information there. We're gonna have all these links on the show notes, so you guys can check it out. Check it out at skibumpodcast.com. It is time for under the ropes. So, first off, there is a baller house in Bel Air, California, that is now on the market for $250 million. That's it? Only $250 million. Oh, some change. Yeah, right? Bel Air. Fresh Prince will buy it. <laughs> Fresh Prince is going to buy it, yeah. Actually, it is Will Smith's house. Oh, there you go. Now, the house has a ridiculous number of rooms, space, and luxury amenities, including a bowling alley and movie theater. But it is filled with art and vehicles. It has um, so it has about thirty, is it thirty million dollars worth of cars? No, more than that. Over thirty million dollars worth of cars, 
and has a helicopter from the TV show Airwolf. That's a Huey, right? I think so, yeah. I'll find out with the a Rolls Royce Dawn, a Ferrari four eighty eight, uh, a Pagani Huayra. I'm totally butchering that, and I'm sorry. It's like a million dollar plus supercar. Nineteen thirty six Mercedes Benz five forty k. A million dollars. The Pagani is actually two million dollars, and this Mercedes is fifteen million dollars. Damn. So, uh, the last 540K sold at the Pebble Beach auction for almost $12 million. Hmm. Um, looking at this place, it just, it looks unreal. I mean, so there's... The Airwolf helicopter? Mm-hmm. The Bell 222. Bell 222, okay. Damn it, that thing is nice. There's like a ridiculous pool in there. Um, there's like a movie theater that comes out of the AstroTurf that's surrounding the pool. Um, so if you look at the profile of the house, it almost looks like something out of The Sims, where like you put something together. It's very modular looking, yeah. It's weird looking, right? Yeah. So yeah, if you you can check it out. It's 924bellair.com, and it has the information on this place. So how about if I want to buy the house, get in the Airwolf helicopter, and then bomb the house? Uh, I don't think anyone could stop you, really. That's right. It's my house, right? Uh, pretty much. It's how I roll. Yeah, I guess if you want to blow it up, you, you, you certainly could. Maybe I want to redesign it. I don't know. Too modular. So the house is 38,000 square feet. Well, the high-end real estate market getting increasingly competitive. Stupid-ass video. Clickbait. Uh, the room has 12 bedrooms, 21 bathrooms, three kitchens, six bars, a massage room and spa, fitness center, two wine champagne cellars, the most advanced home theater in any U.S. home and an 85-foot infinity pool. Wow. That is pretty awesome. What, what would you use the most? What would I use the most? I'd say the kitchen, the massage thing, and the entertainment system. What about the pool? And the pool. I just infinity stay in the pool. pool all day. I would just live Would you in have pool. your meals served to you in the pool? I would put a grill in the pool. Like, I'd have a grill built in to the pool area. I'm thinking about it all wrong. I should have the massage in the pool and the food brought out to the pool. I yeah. stay in the pool the whole time. Yeah. Would you get pickled after, like, a year in there? I wonder if you get gills and fins. Yeah, but I want to get in the helicopter and ride around. Like, I'm, like, strafing like my neighbors, but I wouldn't really strafe them. i just, like, make believe. It's just one of those helicopters that can land in the water. Have those special pontoons. Uh, my neighbors would hate me, though. They'd be like, that dick what do you is care? coming around again. You just bought a $250 million house. See, this is me. I care. You're a caring care. person. I'm people helping people. Yeah, it says $30 million worth of cars and millions worth of fine art. Wow. And apparently there is six-figure Roberto Cavalli table settings, whatever that means. Roberto Cavalli. You know? Does he make uh, pasta? I don't makes know this a guy. lot more than pasta. Let's put it that way. I don't know this man. I don't know what he does. He makes a lot of green tea. Let's put it yeah. that way. Wow. So this house, I mean, you really have to see the pictures. There's like this crazy game room with all this candy, all these foosball tables, bowling alley. I mean, I think there's what? One, two, three, four, five. Okay. Five lanes? Four lanes? I can't even tell. That's nice. There's all kind of mirrors in there, so you can't really tell if one is a mirror or an actual lane. I think it's four lanes, though. 
I hate when they say, oh, it has a bowling alley and it's one lane. Mm. That's not a bowling alley. A bowling alley is like 50 lanes <laughs> of people fighting and smoking, and th- that's a bowling alley. That's true. I'd rather live next to a bowling alley and have it fully operational. Movie theater with 40 reclining seats, 22-foot screen. <laughs> okay, if you could have a movie theater in your palace or not have a movie theater and have an ice cream room, which would you have? Uh, probably the ice cream room, let's be honest. Ah, I knew it. I love me some ice cream. I knew it. I'd rather watch a movie on my phone and have all the ice cream I could eat. <laughs> like the Ben and Jerry silo? It's just like, oh, that would be glorious. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> this is so crazy. There's a 4K projector, and it's preloaded with 7,000 movies. What, what movies are they picking? I don't even know. Are they picking, like, shitty movies? Because I would be pretty pissed off. You get 7,000 movies of, like... Um, it's all Medea movies. Kramer versus Kramer or no, some it's all Medea like movies. Medea movies. <laughs> that's it. That, that's, like, 10 movies. And then you got, like, what else? The Ring, The Ring 2. All you the get, Rings. You get all eight uh, Fast and Furious. <laughs> Is there only eight of them? I feel like there's, like, 90 of them. You'd probably get 10 because the other ones haven't been released. They weren't released to... They have the future versions ready to go. Yeah, this is this. You have to see the pictures. I mean, the view of the city is unbelievable. Yeah, it's not bad. Not that I mean, LA's skyline is pretty lame, but it's awesome that you can see. I mean, you just see forever. You oh. see city. You see the desert behind it. You see, it's crazy, huge. Well, LA's pretty lame as huge. it is, right? Ooh. Ooh, fighting words. Ooh. All right, we're going to the uh, Super Bowl. So LA's not in the Super Bowl. That's um, true. Because they had quarterbacks that got crushed. They're gonna have five um, teams next year though, right? They are. They're gonna they're <laughs> gonna from zero a, teams to like five. Would you say I have a plethora of teams? <laughs> yes, I would say that. Yeah. Uh anyway, Falcons and uh Patriots, fuck the Pats. Um Ooh. won their conference championships and they're in the Super Bowl. So breaking down, like a lot of people are breaking down the players that are playing there and they're saying like what schools why are you telling me that? Because they have to tell you. So um, <laughs> so they're breaking down all the players that are in the Super Bowl. And one of the things that was very interesting on this story was Alabama, which, you know, didn't win the national championship. Perennial powerhouse. Perennial, yeah. Should have won the, whatever, arguably was a national championship until they lost the game. Um. So they have five players in there, which is, okay, everybody expects that. They're one of the top teams. And then what is the other team, the only other team, with five players in the Super Bowl this year? The Scarlet Knights. Scarlet Knights. And of Rutgers. How does Brian know? Alma mater. Sort of. Sort of. Boom. Sort of alma mater. So from New Jersey, the Rutgers uh, Scarlet Knights have five players in the Super Bowl, which is pretty impressive. So Believe the hype. Believe the hype. So they have Alabama and Rutgers with five each, LSU and Stanford with four, and everybody else. Who cares, right? Now, this is probably, you know, these players were, you know, kind of coming out of Rutgers during Rutgers' golden era. Now half their team is... Rutgers had a golden era. They did. (laughs) Now I think half their team is in jail, so I don't foresee in maybe the Super Bowl in five years or so. I guarantee you there will not be five Rutgers players from either team. Ray Rice, the coach. Ray Rice will be the coach. He deserves it. He got a raw deal. Raw deal. He barely. I'm not even. Actually, I'm not even touching that don't story. Don't even go there. Don't not even, even touching that story. So, what do you got going from Boston? All right. Boston land. <laughs> so, continuing with the 
the big game theme. I don't know if we can say the SB words. Oh, yeah, that's licensed, right? Oh, what are you doing Sons here? Of bitches. So there was this, uh, this gentleman in the Boston area. I who, wouldn't call him a gentleman. Hold on a sec. Well, you know, <laughs> innocent until proven guilty. This is America still, I think. His own quote. I would not. <laughs> I love this guy. So the, uh, the, the hotel that the Pittsburgh Steelers were, were staying at the night before the game with the Patriots, the fire alarm went off at the hotel. Allegedly. No, the fire alarm definitely <laughs> went off. I left my puts allegedly in front of everything. It was allegedly pulled by <laughs> gentleman Dennis Harrison, a 25-year-old East Boston resident and New England Patriots fan. Allegedly. <laughs> he pulled the fire alarm at the Hilton Boston Logan Airport early Sunday morning to disrupt the sleeping Pittsburgh Steelers. And uh, his quote is, it's just... Magical. It's beautiful in its simplicity. It's family guys. And he said, and we quote, I'm drunk, I'm stupid, I'm a Pats fan. <laughs> How many ex- t-shirts are you going to see that says that? That explains a lot. That's of a Pats great fans. t-shirt right For there. For me, that explains a lot. Yeah. But he did plead not guilty to charges of disorderly conduct, disturbing the peace, and setting off a false fire alarm. And why did he plead not guilty? Because he was drunk, he was stupid, and he was a Pats fan. And he was dared. <laughs> His defense is that... He was dared to do that. So dude, I get a pass. Dude, I bet you won't pull the fire alarm. <laughs> dude. Your Honor, I was dared to do this. I can't be held accountable for my actions. <laughs> I was dared. You know how much of a bastard I would be if I didn't pull the alarm then? I had to do my job and pull the alarm. <laughs> oh, my God. I love it. This guy, he just looks like someone who would be dared to pull a fire alarm and would do it. He looks like somebody that should have a lawyer on speed dial. Yeah, he's going to need it definitely in the future. Because he's going to do some shit or get involved in something. Especially if he thinks that he's... Wow. Yeah. Oh my god, I love it too. There's no explanation, you just look at the picture. His getaway car ditched him and he claimed to be waiting for an Uber when state police confronted him. (laughs) (laughs) You're so wicked stupid, you're waiting for the car. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh god i can imagine that i Beautiful. just want to be a fly on the wall yep so so is it possible that he was the reason why the patriots won way to go tom brady i love you man yeah way to go it is possible right it, it's totally possible it's wicked possible wicked possible wicked possible yeah so we're gonna go across the pond back to britain oh for this story totally good and uh there is a woman that so her and her boyfriend came back to their place their flat because it's britain and they're eating and they're like you know what's going on what's going on and she leaves the room comes back she's like where are the fries and uh he's like i don't know where they are so basically what happened is (laughs) he admitted to eating all the fries not her fries but all the fries because they ordered fries together so this is this is a big point because in the court of law this is going to come to play. <laughs> now they weren't married; they were just boyfriend girlfriend. They're just hanging out in fries. So, there's, so no one's got any legal rights to the fries. Well, um, so the idea is there was a union of fries being shared, not a separate fry order from each. What's, <laughs> what's it called? Like I'm thinking eminent domain, but I know that's fries wrong. non grata. <laughs> fries non grata. Fries non non gratin. What's it called um, when you live with someone for like ten years and you're married? Common, Common law. law. 
Yeah. These were common law fries. They're common law fries. I believe they've been dating enough to know that they're shared fries. So she left the room. She came back, and they got in a fight over... Oh, actually, they're having dinner at a friend's house, and they got in a fight over who ate the fries. So I guess they're at a friend's house, and they get served French fries because they want to have a French meal. So, so they get served French fries. And um, so they get in a fight over who ate the fries at a friend's house. Girl goes into the kitchen, gets a knife. And stabs the guy in the shoulder. I mean... This is what happens. This is how we learn. Don't eat the fries. That's um, pretty harsh. I love, too, how the article says... (laughs) (laughs) The two had, of course, been drinking at the time of the incident. No, get out of here. I know. Now, are they saying, of course, because they're British? Or, of course, because of the incident? Why are you implying that? Because the article comes from America... Online, that's racism against. Are we British. looking down on that's, the British? That's uh, that's second tier nation. Sorry, nationism, British. nationalism. See, we brought you up. You know, we brought you up with Dave riding, and now we're bringing you down with this uh, this drunken couple eating fries and stabbing each other. I think they wrote this up because the Boston guy was hanging out with them. It's possible they were wicked, wicked hammered. Yeah, <laughs> they were wicked hammered at the time. So, hey, you eat my fries. I'm not going to slap your hand. I think I'm going to stab you. Yeah. Last one is all you, buddy. All right, last one. <laughs> and this it. is a doozy. So I figured we'd end it with this one. Um, a 40-year-old Florida woman accused of sex with teens at her child's party. Accused. Accused. Allegedly, perhaps, maybe. All right, let's, let's unravel this whole accusation. So now this confused lady is charged with a total of seven counts of unlawful sexual activity. Say what? Yes, she's accused of having sex with teenagers um, at this party. Uh, and now, I think it's kind of funny that these a five they're calling party, right? these kids victims. A total of five <laughs> victims have been identified. Three of them are 16-year-old boys. <laughs> Actually, if you look at the picture of her, I would say they're victims. Um, oh. Not at 16. <laughs> Jesus Christ. 16... In, all right, so... Um, the sheriff's office announced that she was originally charged with three counts of unlawful sexual activity of certain minors. Wow. At that time, officials determined that there were two victims, 16 and 17-year-old males. Um, so what did they do? <laughs> so all seven counts come from this party that they were at. Um, now, this woman was giving them alcohol and having sex with the minors... At a party hosted by her child. December 23rd. That's like a Christmas party. Right before Christmas. Damn. So she allegedly gave the minors alcohol, told one she needed help showering, and had sex with the 16 and 17-year-old boys. Wait, wait. The 16 or 17, or is it both? There's multiple. One is... Some are 16, some are 17. All right, so at this party... Yes. Okay. She... This lady... It's a real party. This is a... This is is a a party. There was this lady was hosting her kid was hosting a party and this lady gave these sixteen and seventeen year old males alcohol and told them she needed help showering wow. and then had sex with them. And as, party. as someone who was once a sixteen and seventeen year old boy, 
That is the greatest Christmas gift she ever could have given those kids. So some people do like thank you cards. Other people do like, hey, why don't you Advent calendar? <laughs> Which custom wine labels? Dude, I'm coming to your party next year. <laughs> <laughs> if your mom is out of jail. Damn. Yeah. That's actually pretty disturbing. Oh my god. But uh so that was two people they talked about. And then they said there's another three or four, like it's like seven people now. Yeah. Or is it multiple counts? I don't know if it's... It says multiple counts. So I don't know if it's just the two dudes or... I gotta it look. says five victims have been identified. She's got to have a Facebook page. I got... I got <clears throat> I'm sorry. I got to... You going to do a search? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what sort of went wrong in this lady's life that she is now having sex with teenage boys. But, uh, yeah, you got to go... Uh, you got to talk to somebody. You Maybe you need a hug. Um Maybe you got to lay off the booze and the meth. It sounds fucked up, but are they taking out the little dolls? Where did they touch it? They touched me here. She touched me here. That's pretty, that's <laughs> and I liked up. it. But yeah, again, it's a, uh, I guess I feel more bad for the woman, this 40 year old woman, than these quote unquote victims. Oh, I feel bad for the kids. Because then I look back like, God damn, what did I do? Nah, they're going to just put that up as a legendary status. Mm. Yeah, this is. It's not Stifler's mom, let's put it that way. It's definitely not Stifler's mom. It's like Stifler's mom if she took meth. All right, there's a better picture of her on, on CBS has a better picture of her. Yeah, that's not much better. Oh, and she's got a Boston hat on. Boston. Uh-oh, she's rooting for the socks. Socks and co- <laughs> I can't even. Oh. Oh, sorry. It was her daughter's classmates, these dudes. God damn, that's horrible. Yeah. I don't even want to know what is happening in the family there. Let's yeah. put it that way. A lot of sadness going on in that lady's life. A lot of counseling, hopefully. A lot of counseling required. She thinks she's 17, but she's actually just in a sad, sad woman. Wow. All right. Well, that was kind of a... You know what? That, that article... I thought that story was going to be a lot sexier. It was actually kind of sad. And that's a bummer. I just, so they say there are people, quote unquote, investigating this. Like, mm-hmm. So what are dudes really doing? Yeah, right. All right. So we got anything else uh, for the podcast this week or are we going to wrap that up? I think that wraps it up pretty well. Speaking of her, I think the comment on top of that is wrap it up. Wrap it up. I'm saying. I wonder... If her and Aaron Hernandez could maybe become pen pals in prison. Oh, dude, that, they should just... She's got the Boston hat, so maybe she's got a, probably a Pats fan as well. If you're a lifetime and lifetime, that should be like a lifetime matchup. Yeah. It should be like a... um, Not a wife swap, but like a uh, cell swap. <laughs> <laughs> just, just swap the cells. That, that'd be good. Yeah, and if you really want to... Uh... To entertain yourself, look at the comments oh, for this story. The comments are brutal and amazing at the same time, and somewhat accurate too. <laughs> uh, it's just it gets ugly and violent so quickly. Yeah, it, that escalated pretty quickly, huh? Yeah, <laughs> it definitely escalated quickly. Of course, where were these women when I was a teen? You know, as like said like five different times. <laughs> <laughs> 
Who would refuse sex with 16 and 17-year-old boys? Not me. <laughs> nice. Then it's, um, what? What? Yeah. Yeah, somebody's like, what do I, what do I walk into? It's pretty funny. Yeah, so we'll post the links on the show notes so you can check it out and get some, uh, get some yucks. More at the comments than the, the sad, sad tale of this lady, Miss Jamie Ayer. All right, so that wraps up the old podcast this week. Thank you guys so much for listening. Really appreciate it. Uh, please go onto your favorite podcasting apps and do rate us. We really appreciate that. And then hit us up. Uh, check out all of our goodness at skibumpodcast.com. Send us an email, skibumpodcast at gmail.com. Hit us up on social media, twitter.com slash skibumpodcast, facebook.com slash skibumpodcast, instagram.com slash skibumpodcast. Pinterest, we are the highfalutins, or soundcloud.com uh, slash podcast. And with that, we will see you guys next week. Stay high, stay pollutant. See ya.